Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Thursday, the 3rd of September, 2020. And last night, Wednesday, in the Montfrey Stadium, in front of a smattering of friends and family who were presumably properly distanced. Were they, Jacob? Yes, yes, they were distanced. Yep, most, most if not all, were consistently wearing masks, too, so I was happy to see that. That's uh, Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer, and Kyle Robertson, at K. Rob Photo, the best sports shooter in Ohio, I don't know how many years running. Of course, how many photographers are left in this media business that shoot for newspapers, so... About as many as uh, sports columnists there are. <laughs> he, wins, he wins through longevity. In any case, let's get right to it. The crew is fresh off a one-to-nil victory. Hey, I said nil. There you go. Huh? It's zero, Mike. <laughs> it's a one-to-zero victory over the Philadelphias in the old erector set down there by the highway. And that pushed them to 6-1-2 and two through nine games, 20 points. 13 goals for two against, plus 11 differential. So they now, with the victory, Porton won, given that Philadelphia was lurking right on their tails heading into the game. The crew leads the league in victories with six. Goals against, fewest two in nine games, which is remarkable. Differential, 11, as I said. And they're the first to 20 points. Second place, Toronto in the East has 18 Third place, Orlando has 15. Fourth place, Philadelphia has 15. Out West, Sporting Kansas City has played nine games. They're 5-2-2, two, two, 17 points. Seattle's played eight, 4-1-3, 15 points. LAFC has played eight, 12 points. No one with a double-digit differential out there, although they do score goals. Team with the most goals in the East, Orlando, 16 goals through nine games. Well, out west, uh, they're playing a different game, it looks like, Kyle. Kansas City scored 19 in nine games. Seattle scored 15 in eight games. LAFC has 21 goals. So we're seeing this delineation this year. Uh, Is there, Kyle, do you see, and we see it in football, we see it in the baseball, for instance, the great National League game, which is going to be sullied here on with the designated hitter versus the sorry American League. Uh, There are styles, um, and it looks like, the East is uh, kind of smash mouth or backed, backed up in, in the bus area, parking lot. And the West, kind of more talented, open. How would you describe it? And Jacob, you can follow Kyle. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the you know the West has a, you know a few more the 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 quote unquote MLS stars that you know that can kind of score you know rapid you know goals each game. But I mean, I think the East is there too. I mean, uh, it's not that much difference uh, if you look at the goal you know the goals. But I mean, you also got the LAFC that uh, you know what they scored 21 goals, but they've also given up 16. So you know, uh, yeah, it might be great. Uh, score the goals, but you gotta also you gotta watch those uh, goals against. So, 
Are you saying it's it's better to score more goals than you give up? Yes. Your contention yes. All right. Jacob, do you want to add to that with any more brilliance? Oh, I think he cleared that up. Yeah. No, I think the West certainly has probably some more stars. I mean, just the other day, we're recording this Thursday, uh, Pity Martinez is leaving Atlanta United to go to a team in Saudi Arabia for a hefty fee. So one less star in the East there. And the East is certainly wide open, um, as, as we've been saying. And, you know, the, look, the crew have allowed two goals through um, nine games, which is just astonishing. And I think if you do that, regardless of if your offense needs to figure a right. few things out, you're going to be in good shape. And now, and there's two goals, man. You got to talk about the two goals. One was on a, a second PK, right? And then the uh, the other one was on a terrible pass and then a terrible cover-up. So, I mean, you know, you're you're not even talking about good goals. We'll say it out loud. Uh, Abubakar Keita yeah. missed a mark on, the, on a corner kick, and that was uh, the one goal they gave up earlier this year. And uh, he, he kind of passed the ball to the wrong team uh, at the top of the box for the other goal. So a couple screw-ups, yeah. you're going to have to live with that with, with a young defenseman because he has upside and because you have to play these guys to give them experience. But, Jacob, let's go to last night's game against Philadelphia. I'm assuming that uh, uh, there was a requisite uh, – seriousness about the import of this game against Philadelphia in your home stadium? Yeah, there definitely was. And you could tell um, kind of the benefit and what I like about there being no fans in the stands is you can hear a bit more of the animation. Um, You could tell not just the relief, but excitement and winning a game like that. Because look, Philadelphia is a team that also expects to be up there at the end of the year in the East. And that's a team the crew could, if, if we get to that stage, long way to go. But that they could play in the postseason. A 1-0 game, pretty even. They were probably lucky to get out of that first 30 minutes without allowing a goal, if not multiple goals. Uh, They definitely struggled on corner kicks. The crew defense did. But, you know, to their credit, uh, there were a lot of times where Philadelphia got behind them and they were able to um, get a ball out. And then the offense toward the end of the first half really started to come to life. It definitely uh, carried over into the early portions of the second half. And, with a little luck off of a Philadelphia defender, Lucas Elrayon scored again in his second game at Moffray. So, look, that's why you pay up to $8 million uh, for a playmaker is to score the goal in a 1-0 game. What was that, about 40 yards? Oh, I would say it was probably like 22. Yeah, it was just outside, <laughs> yeah. I had a bad angle, I guess. But it did deflect. It was from yeah. distance, and it was, a, it was a heck of a strike there. And a nice little... Uh, a nice little combination of passes to, to get him the ball with some space above the box, but he did drill it. And so now, gentlemen, and I'll throw this to you, Kyle, first, this could be, a, it's going to have to be the key to unlocking their offense, their number 10, because we saw with him either not 100% or out of the lineup. We saw inferior teams, equal teams, all teams just back it in, compact their defenses against this team and give them a lot of trouble. The import of Zellerian uh, cannot be overstated. Fair? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, you it's why you you know, Jake and I talked about this after the game last night. I mean, that's why you pay you know big money for a guy like that in a game like that where nothing's kind of going. You know, Philadelphia was really kind of clogging the lanes. You know, awful and uh, Santos and even uh, Milton weren't getting the crosses in. Um, Zardes just had no space to run run on to anything. So. You know, that's what, you know, they had never, you know, they don't, they've never had a player of that caliber. You know, they've had players where they've been that good, I think, for, you know, for a, a short amount of time. 
But, I mean, that's what you need. You need in a game like this to, you know, have one play where it kind of changes the game. Kyle, that was somewhat sacrilegious here in Columbus, Ohio, to say they've never had a player of that caliber. I'll just leave that there. Yeah, no, Jacob well, Hardy when I say that, when I say that, I say more of the, more of the attacking that can, you know, you know, I'm not trying to <laughs> – they've never had a young attacking, you know, attacking midfielder guy forward that plays the way that he does. They've usually had cast-offs that are a little bit older and who have kind of – done their thing around the world and kind of came over. So I think it's it's exciting. And we've talked about this a lot of times throughout the, the history of, the, of this, um, this podcast. You know, Columbus has struggled for a very long time to bring in somebody that the average fan will want to watch. And I think they have that now. Um, in the first half, he did the little dance spinorama, go through three or four guys. And I think he ended up losing the ball. But, you know... People want to see that and goals that he's kind of scored or what the crew needs, especially in a new stadium, uh, or sorry, especially in, in not a new stadium, but in the in Moffray to bring, in theory, bring fans into the stadium. Kyle, you say it's a, a young player, but uh, Federico Higuain's uh, signed at the same age as El Rayon did here. So I, I believe you're correct in saying the last few years, yeah. because of Higuain, aging and still extremely productive. Zellerion um, just kind of brings a different spark that they haven't had in a few seasons. Now that spark, I think, was there with Iguain, but th- this is absolutely a step up for the organization. I'll have to see more before I call him Scalotto. So I'll just say that. Now, seventh shutout in nine games for the crew. Again, remarkable two goals against. The current streak of, of score of holding opponents scoreless is up to 22 minutes. Now, Zellerion's goal in the 54th or 55th minute, whatever it was last night, did break the cruise zone scoreless streak of 224 minutes. And staying along the same vein, we've been talking about their offense. Jacob, is there uh, an impetus to get more out of their wings? And is there a thought that they might add something in this elongated transfer window to maybe even deepen that position? Because it's, as Kyle says, as long as we've had a podcast, we've, we've talked about about the wingers and, and the need for, uh, for production there. And, um, you know, Sanchez... <laughs> He's kind of he's got a little Weinberg in him. Uh, there's moments of brilliance and and, uh, and then long stretches of of, uh, of snooze time. Um, uh, uh, but uh, Santos is a quality player. Diaz is young, um, has shown flashes uh, of of some serious uh, technical ability. Jacob, I'll throw it to you. You know what I'm talking about, even if I'm not explaining it that well, because that's my job. But uh, the need for more production on the wings. Have you talked to Caleb about this? Is this of, of import at this time? have not brought it up. Uh, and before I go there, I, I agree they need to add an attacking piece. But you are um, disparaging the crew's assist leader with three assists and, and Sanch. So <laughs> he, he's making that little pre- – no, I'm, I'm being pretentious almost. Uh, yes, he well, needs to score. was awesome in game five against uh... – no, and, and that's an unfair comparison. I, I just did it for a cheap laugh. But he, he Weber's afraid to shoot. Sanch is not. Yeah, he unloaded a few last he, night. He, he's shown enough to really whet your appetite, but not consistently yes. enough. Is, is the only point I'm making. Yeah, that's well, absolutely correct. I think, and, and Luis Diaz too. Um, you know, he's a young player, and I even wrote about him. And he talked about this preseason about needing to be a little different because teams are going to know how to defend him. And Caleb Porter talked about that as what we have seen so far. And Diaz has not been as sharp. He's certainly created chances, but also he hasn't played the last two games. Um, I was kind of surprised he didn't play last night. 
So they do need more out of him. I think you can always add attacking players. And if you're going to win or go for an MLS Cup, it's always good to have an extra bit of depth on the bench at wing. Now, I, I think you expect Santos and Diaz to score going forward, but that's not a given right now. They have not played as well as you might have thought. Yunus Mokhtar still working back into the lineup. Porter was very pleased how he played last night against Philadelphia, saying he was a lot to credit uh, for Zellerayan's goal and just giving him more space. So I'm st- I don't think it's a huge problem, but just in general, you're always going to need to add more attacking pieces as the season goes on to put you over the hump. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Kyle, uh, Bakhtar was excellent in Orlando during the MLS's back tournament. And, uh, well, until he got uh, hurt. They missed him. Yeah, they missed him when he was out. Yeah. And uh, Brian, when he was out, he missed a couple of games. Are they at a point now where you can see that uh, when they get their full lineup together, they can work out uh, some of these uh, issues about generating offense? Yeah, or at least solving. Yeah, solving the compact defenses they're seeing. Well, yeah, the the I mean the the good thing you know going for the the crew right now is you know the defense. So as long as the defense is holding, you know you only might you know you only need one or maybe two goals. Where in past years that you know that wasn't always the case. So yeah, I think they can kind of turn it around. You know, and kind of like what Jacob said, they have options. They have Diaz. They can throw out there and kind of move around and that kind of stuff. But I mean, I think. Between the three of them, you know, Mokhtar, Santos, and Diaz, you know, one of them's, you know, um, you know, one of them's going to have to get hot. I mean, I really like how Diaz attacks. I mean, I think the the um, the game against Chicago, he ended um, drawing the PK that uh, Zardes uh, missed. So I mean, he's more of the attacking guy. I think you know more down the um, down the side and then up up the goal the goal line. I mean, he does that really really well. You know, Mokhtar is just you know the pocket guy that you want and kind of control everything and then santos man you just you just don't know what you you know what you're going to get from him you know i think a good kind of uh, way to kind of he's kind of like a uh russell uh Westbrook right now like he's really good when it's just him like he's the main creator and everything goes to him but then he struggles when they're when he's playing with another you know a guy who can kind of do the same thing um you know so i think that when we've talked about that earlier this year what well, you know? Will we get the same Santos as last year? And we, I think we've kind of, I think we kind of see that he's kind of fallen back into what he was the last couple of years. And I think maybe last year was just, you know, uh, you know, everything kind of played out in his favor. So, Jacob, fourteen games to go, and and it is about uh, exploring how to solve compact defense that are going to like New York City did. Uh, a run at Nagby's ankles um, and, and make, uh, you know, whoever's uh, attacking mid, the, the holding mid and the attacking mid, making them uncomfortable, uh, even to the point of intimidation and backing, you know, uh, numbers into the box, uh, solving that. Is that is that fair to say? Because I, I would I would uh, I would uh, 
posit that anyone who's come out and tried to play with this team um, has gotten beaten down pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the success that opponents have had, such as it is, they have the crew has one loss and two draws. Um, but success that opponents have had against them have been in doing just that, uh, uh, making life uncomfortable for Zeller Ryan, and, and uh, in, at least one case, trying to assassinate Darlington Nagby. Yeah, I think that's a fair read, and we're going to get to see that Sunday again. Cincinnati, who um, you know just completely parked the bus. What? Porter Double bus, right? Double bus, right? Tell me yeah. about that game as as we warm up for Sunday at seven thirty in Montfrey Stadium with with the Hell Is Real number three this year. Tell me about number two down okay. in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. Jake. Yeah, I I think it was honestly kind of exactly what I expected. Cincinnati just trying not to give up a goal, and the way they do it is to have a back line of five as deep as basically they possibly can, and then another line of three in front of that, also sitting very deep, and not giving much space at all to the crew offense in the middle of the field. Uh, Zellerayon, too, I think you saw even in the first half against Philadelphia, still trying to find his touch again. He was a little loose on those when he was in good spots. So I, I think it's, one, just working through how they're going to beat these teams who are playing differently against them again. Um, but also, as um, Caleb Porter said, that this team, Cincinnati, just sat about as deep as any team he has ever coached against. So, um, you know, that could be talking up his team a little bit, but I absolutely think there's some credence to it's extremely difficult to play through the middle like they want to when, you know, you have basically have six guys sitting in the middle of the field around your best player. Okay. To summarize Terrific season going so far. Um, first team to 20 points. Um, lead the league in, goal, in differential. Two goals allowed. Extraordinary. It's, it's a, they're in really good shape through nine games with, uh, uh, what, 14 to go now. And uh, uh, next up, uh, Cincinnati at Mafre Sunday at 730. And, and Jacob, uh, after admitting some friends and family uh, of players and staff into the arena on uh, – uh, last night, um, they're going to allow a limited number of fans in the building on Sunday. Um, tell us what we know about that. Yeah, so the club announced Thursday morning, this morning that we're recording, um, that 1,500 members, as you said, or spectators are allowed. Uh, based on a couple fans that I've talked to, they sold out within half an hour of that. So I guess they're in pretty high demand there. Um, this is, you know, based on an order a month ago that Governor Mike DeWine signed allowing or giving the ability to sports teams to have 15% capacity or 1,500 spectators for outdoor events, whichever of those were the fewer amount of spectators in Mafre seats, almost 20,000, so 1,500 was the fewer amount. Um, however, we learned this morning that, that Columbus Public Health, which the crew have been working on, Uh, and their draft of their plans and to essentially get permission or just feedback on whether or not having fans was okay. A spokeswoman for Columbus Public Health said said that um, they recommended that the crew not host spectators until there are two consecutive level one declarations on the Ohio Public Health Advisory System for Franklin County. And that would be 
color-coded system that I'm sure people have seen in the media. Just recently, Franklin County was downgraded to level two from level three. And in the last few days, cases have gone up. So uh, I think there's some question of if that even will stay at a level two, if it won't go up to a level three. But, um, you know, Tim Bezbachenko in a statement to him, they said that health and safety of all individuals entering the building remains their top priority. They've done these um, safety and health guidelines that people can check out on our website. The team has also put out some information there. I'll try to do my best in the coming days to educate you all if you are attending the game on Sunday. Um, so like I, like I said before, I'll let people make the decision if that's safe or not. Uh, but I do find it a bit alarming that this information or recommendation came from Columbus Public Health and the crew decided to go in a different direction. And what, what are your health experts that you, you have on call? What are they telling you? Yeah, I talked to one infectious disease expert who um, said he, he almost kind of laughed and was um, a little put off by what he described as arrogance of the crew to willingly disregard advice from a public health entity and go ahead with having fans in the stands. All right. Kyle, you got anything else to add before we wrap this up? No, I'm good. He's not the best color man in the business. <laughs> Jacob? No, I mean, we recorded the last episode, and that was right before uh, the NBA, started by the Milwaukee Bucks, decided not to play their game in protest of uh, police brutality and, and racial injustice. Um, there were other sports who canceled games, including MLS. NHL did the next day. MLB had a few games, so... You know, I just want to shout that out, and, and I think it was really inspiring to see the players stand up for something like that. No, it was, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, the question was, after sitting out, what do you do pro- proactively? And uh, I was blown away the next day because, you know, the Bucks who started it, if you've read their statement, um, they said, uh, please, legislature, get back together in session. And, uh, and, and look at this issue and, and pass something that will uh, do something uh, about uh, police brutality. Um, uh, in the wake of the shooting, uh, the gentleman who was, oh God, is now paralyzed, um, shot in the back seven times, um, uh, Jacob Blake. Um, and, and uh, you know, they said, get back, legislature, um, work on this. People, please, we'd like people to educate themselves on the issue, and we'd like people to vote. And uh, I, I, for one, was uh, very impressed the next day when the league and its players association came out with preliminary action. And uh, at the top of the list was the, those arenas that are controlled by NBA teams are going to open for, for, to allow voting uh, in this election. And uh, that was one of their goals. And that was one action among many that, that, that they're developing. Bravo to that. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, this, this isn't over. It's going to continue on, and I'm rambling, and, it's, and now it's time to stop. It, well, and it won't just well, end with well, do we voting, want to, right, Mike? Yeah. It, it, it'll continue. It, it's something if people are extremely passionate about, continue to fight. All right, so we'll stay tuned with that, the uh, voting uh, arena voting uh, initiative is just one of the things in its nation stages that the NBA is developing. I'm sure some other leagues are going to follow suit. A lot of people have their eye on what's going on there. And everyone, vote, please. That's it for the prediction of the Soccer Speakeasy. For Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer, and Kyle Robertson, I'm Mike A. Race, and 
We'll see you next time. Patrick, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.